Not to the book of Genesis. But to the gospel of John, the 11th chapter. Being transparent, being up front, this is not a new message. I, I taught this, I preached this, whatever you want to say. In June of 2017, it was a Wednesday night. So not everyone's heard it. But in light of everything that's happened over the past several weeks with the storms and listening to what's going on in people's lives. And let me just say, that's, that, that, that's one of the things of being a pastor. At times I hear things that nobody else knows about. That when people lift their hands for unspoken requests, that what you don't know, there are times I know. That people need healing in their body and you don't know that they need healing in their body. But I do. People dealing with sickness and you don't know they're dealing with sickness but the pastor does. And so there are times that I feel to go in a different direction. And I don't feel that I could stand here this week and just come to you with another message from the book of Genesis. In light of People hurting. We've got people in our church hurting. Suffering. And they need to know that in spite of what they're going through, in spite of their pain, in spite of their difficulty, in spite of the trial and trouble and the suffering they're going through, they're still loved by God. That God has, has not given up on them, that God has not forsaken them, that God has not abandon them but God is still present that God is still there and His love is still real and God is still available Amen this is one of my favorite chapters probably in the Bible it's the story of Lazarus so Genesis or John chapter 11 I'm used to saying Genesis John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1 through verse number 6. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when He heard that He was sick, He stayed two more days in the place where He was. Father in heaven, today we need Your help. I need Your help today. And I'm asking, Father, for a supernatural touch to convey what I feel needs to be conveyed in this place today. And so, God, I pray that You would give me clarity of thought and precision of speech to speak no more, no less than what needs to be said in this place. 
And I pray today that you would open the ears of the people and the hearts of the people to receive from you, not the words of man, but the words of God. And so God, I ask one more time that you would touch me supernaturally with a touch from heaven to to do what I cannot do on my own. And God, today we will praise you for all that's accomplished. We'll give you glory for it. And no other name will be mentioned but the name of Jesus. No pat on the back will be given to me, but God will give you praise and will give you glory for it. God, do in this place now what only you can do. Save souls, set people free. And God, comfort those that are hurting and bind up the brokenhearted. And God will give you praise for it all. For it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. I feel His touch this morning. Could you one more time give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place? John chapter 11 gives the account of Jesus' most dramatic and powerful miracle in His entire ministry. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead after He had been in the tomb for four days. We know the story very well. Lazarus had gotten sick. Mary and Martha sends word to Jesus that, hey, the one you love is sick and Jesus waits two days before He ever departs. And when Jesus shows up, Lazarus is already dead. He's in the tomb. He's there four days. And Jesus says, take me to the tomb. He says, roll the stone away. And they say, by this time, He's already stinking. There's already a stench. But they roll the stone away anyway. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus comes out bound hand and foot. They get the grave clothes off of Him. And Lazarus lives and carries on with his life. The miracle demonstrates the power that Jesus has over death, but it also shows us that at times God allows His people to go through suffering, and it shows us that God works in His own way and in His own timing, and sometimes we don't like to wait, and sometimes we don't like to be patient, and we want God to do things when we want Him to do it, but we have to learn that sometimes God has us to wait on Him. But may I just say that when God shows up, He's always... On time. But this morning I want us to look at this text. I want us to look at this chapter. And I want us to learn four lessons about suffering from this text. And so if you're wanting to take notes, the first thing we'll notice is that God allows those He loves to suffer. God allows those He loves to suffer. Jesus loved Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. In fact, three times in this chapter, John tells us how much Jesus loved them. Look with me at verse 3 again. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. They sent word to Jesus, the one you love is sick. And then you see it again in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And you see it again in verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. It's clear from the text, it's clear from this scripture that Jesus loved these brothers and sisters. He spent a lot of time in their home. He spent a lot of time hanging out with them. But here in this passage, He allowed them to suffer. He allowed them to experience hardship. He allowed them to go through a time of tragedy. And it doesn't seem to be all that loving, does it? It seems to 
A lot of people that when God allows us to suffer and when God allows us to experience heartache and pain, that God doesn't seem to be all that loving. In fact, you ask a lot of people in the world, if God was loving, why do people suffer? Because people can't equate suffering with a loving God. But the fact of the matter and the fact of Scripture is that God lets His people sometimes suffer, but it doesn't mean that God does not love us. Look at verse 5 and 6 again. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when He heard that He was sick, He stayed two more days in the place where He was. He hears that Lazarus is sick and instead of running to the rescue, instead of getting on the donkey or getting, uh, getting on the go, he stays two more days where he was. It doesn't seem that loving, does it? He hears the news that his, his best friend, one he loves, is sick and instead of going to the rescue, he stays two more days. He delays his going. It doesn't sound really loving, does it? Mary and Martha probably didn't think that it was that loving, did they? In fact, notice how they responded when Jesus showed up. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's what verse 21 and verse 32 said. They both responded that way. Martha comes to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Mary said the same thing, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And let's be honest, we've all responded that way to God before. Lord, if you just showed up a little sooner, I wouldn't be going through this. God, if you'd have come through a little quicker, I wouldn't be having this pain. I wouldn't be having this trouble. We've all been there before. Have we not? That God, if you'd have just come through with the answer just a few days before, I wouldn't be hurting so badly today. My heart wouldn't be breaking. My bills would all be paid now. And I wouldn't be struggling. The reality is we find ourselves right here in this chapter with Mary and Martha. You see, because Jesus delayed in coming, Mary and Martha had to watch their brother die. But here's the thing, Jesus' delay didn't mean that He didn't love them. Just because He waited, just because He didn't show up when they wanted Him to, didn't mean He loved them any less. He still loved them all the same. Hear me well. Just because Jesus allowed them to go through a difficult situation didn't mean that He didn't love them. And just because He allows us to go through times of suffering doesn't mean that He doesn't love us. God's love for us doesn't mean that we will be sheltered from trouble in trial. Listen, God's never promised us that we'd be sheltered. Being loved by God doesn't insulate us from hardship and sorrow and suffering. Sometimes God allows those He loves to suffer and go through difficult situations. I wish that I could stand and tell you that if you get saved, all of your problems go away, all of your suffering goes away, all of your grief goes away, all of your sadness goes away, but I can't stand here in good faith and integrity and tell you that's how it's going to be. There's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some bad days along the way. There's going to be some heartache along the way. There's going to be some valleys along the way but through it all God's going to love you and God's going to be there even when you can't feel Him and when you can't hear Him and when the storm clouds are there and when the sun's not shining 
You're loved even though you're suffering. Hallelujah. I feel him this morning. The Bible is clear that godly people suffer. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus suffer. Job is one of the greatest examples in Scripture. A righteous man. A blameless man. And he loses it all. How would you like to live a day in the life of Job? Loses his cattle. Loses his children. Loses his health. And then he gets down. And he blesses the Lord. Naked I come from my mother's womb. And naked I'll leave this world. And in all this, he didn't curse God. And neither did he sin. He knew he was still loved by God. In fact, Job 13, 15 says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He was suffering, but he knew he was loved. Amen. Which leads me to my second point. We may not always understand why we suffer. We want to figure things out, don't we? When problems come, when suffering comes, when grief comes, our first question is, why? Isn't that how we are? Why? Why this? Why me? Why right now? Did I do something wrong to deserve this? Is God punishing me? These are the questions that flood our mind when we experience times of suffering. But someone once said that rather than ask why, a better question is what? What can I learn from this trial? Or ask how? How does God want to use this trial? A great example yesterday at the funeral, the, the pastor said, you, you, you can take the word better and you can replace that E with an I and it can make you better, it can make you bitter. I thought that was, that was, that was wow, just a fascinating illustration. What you're going through can make you better or it can make you bitter. But it all comes down to your perspective. If you're asking, why is it happening to me? you're probably going to end up bitter. But if you start turning that question around and change your perspective of what can God teach me through this, you'll come out better. Matter of perspective. Here's the thing. You can't always know the answer to these questions. Because God often works in ways we don't understand. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But here's the thing. God's not called us to live based on explanations. We're called to live by faith. We're called to live by faith. Bob mentioned that this morning during Sunday school. We're called to live this life by faith. And now our natural mind, our finite mind, we want explanations, we want to reason things, we want to ponder things, and we, we, we want everything laid out on the table, but God says you've got to live by faith, you've got you to trust me. 
We've got to trust God when we don't have the answers. We've got to trust God when we don't have the explanations. But the Bible does give us a few reasons as to why we go through suffering. Letter A, our suffering may be to display God's glory. Look at verse 4. When Jesus heard that, He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. John says Lazarus' death happened so that God and Jesus could be glorified. Think about that. Jesus said, I've allowed Lazarus to die so that God could get honor through Lazarus' death. You see, everything God does, He does for His glory. He does for His honor. And what you're going through at the moment, what you're experiencing right now, God's going to get glory from it. God's going to get honor for it. Somehow God's going to be exalted through it. And right now your heart may be breaking and you're experiencing suffering, you're experiencing sadness, you're experiencing grief. And, and, and right now while you're going through it, you're, you're, you're right. how's God going to get glory through this? How's God going to get honor through this? But I promise you on the other side of it, you'll look back and see how God gets honor and how God gets glory. Because what God does, He does for His honor. Secondly, let her be, our suffering may be God's way of correcting us. And it all depends on what you go through. When it, when it comes to uh, the loss of a loved one, I, I don't believe God allows that to try to correct us. It, it all depends on what you're going through. If you've been disobedient and, you, and you're, you're dealing with the consequences of disobedience, listen, that's God's way of trying to correct you and discipline you. Listen to Hebrews 12, verse 10 and 11. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but He for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, God allows suffering at times, and He allows those problems to come into our life at times to, to correct wrongful behavior in our lives. You see, suffering has a way of getting our attention. Suffering has a way of causing us to examine our lives. It has a way of getting us back on the right path. Amen? So suffering has a way of straightening us out sometimes. Let her see. Our suffering may be to bring comfort to other Christians or to be a witness to non-Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Notice this. Who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul says God comforts us so that we can comfort others. See, what you're going through may not just be for you. It may be to help somebody else later on. Amen. What we walk through isn't just for our benefit, but it's to help benefit somebody else. But let me give you this. I didn't put this in my notes, but I've got to thinking about it this morning. Sometimes what we go through is God's way of telling us to slow down. I believe sometimes things come into our life, and it's God's way of saying, hey, you need to slow down and evaluate what's really important. As I sat yesterday at the funeral of Bob's mother, you begin to reflect on life. 
And you really begin to think about what's important. Because when it's all said and done, the things of this world aren't important. Is it? Money? Homes? All that stuff's really not important. And sometimes when problems come, suffering comes, it's God's way, I believe, of letting us, hey, you need to slow down and really think about what's important to you. And you start evaluating your life. Start reflecting. Are my priorities in order? You see, nothing gets our attention like fame does. Nothing gets our attention quicker than hurt does. And if God's put all these other obstacles in your way and you've bypassed them and gone past them, God can't get your attention other ways. And He will. But it doesn't mean we're not loved. He does it because He loves us. God doesn't want us to go astray. God doesn't want us to get off the the rails. God, God does all these things because He does love us. Aren't you glad for that? Amen? But there's always going to be times when we don't exactly know why we're going through what we're going through. But before I move on, let me, let me give you this. Our suffering's never wasted. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. God's got something He's trying to do in our lives. Which leads me to the third thing. We can always take our troubles to the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? Look at verse 3. Therefore the sister sent to Him saying, Lord, behold, He whom You love is sick. I don't know how Mary and Martha knew where Jesus would be, but they sent word to Jesus. They they didn't go looking for a doctor. They they didn't go looking for some surgeon or, or some other kind of medical expert. They sent word to Jesus. Listen, if you can't find help anywhere else, there's Jesus. In fact, let me say this. You're always better off going to Jesus first. But a lot of times we'll try everybody else. And when they let us down, then we'll go to Jesus. But Mary and Martha, they were, they were some wise women. And they went to Jesus. I want you to notice two things regarding their message. First of all, they didn't demand that Jesus come and heal their brother. Think about that. They didn't demand Jesus show up. In fact, they didn't ask Him to do anything. They simply presented the need to Jesus and let Him do what He wanted to do. They just said, the one you love... You see, they just gave their request. They just gave the need and let Jesus do what He wanted to do. Second, notice that the sisters didn't say, Lord, He who loves you is sick, but rather they said, Lord, He whom you love is sick. They didn't appeal to Jesus on the basis of anything in them or in Lazarus, Lazarus, but rather on the basis of His love. Think about that. Listen, you can take your burdens and troubles to the Lord. He cares about your life. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about your suffering. He cares about your grief. He cares about your pain. If it concerns you, it concerns Him. Why is it that we think that we 
can only take our big problems to God. Listen, you can take your little problems. If you stump your toe, you can take it to God in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Psalm 55, 22, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden on the Lord. That word cast, it means to throw it on Him. That's what it means. Throw it on Him. Some of you stay up late at night worrying yourself sick about all of these things going on in your life. And guess what? The the God of Israel never sleeps. So while you're staying up at night worrying about it, give it to Him. Give it to Him. I'm reminded of that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Verse 2 says this, Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Verse 3 says this, Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Just take it to Him in prayer. Amen? You can take your burdens, your problems, your needs, your grief, your sorrow, your sadness. You can take it all to Him in prayer. And here's the thing. Whether you ever voice it or not, He knows. So why not take it to Him? Why not take it to Him? Your frustrations, your anger, your bitterness, whatever you're feeling, why not take it to Him? He knows. Finally, number four. Delays do not mean denial. Delays do not mean denial. The sisters didn't understand the Lord's delay. In fact, they may have thought that since Jesus delayed in coming, He wasn't going to show up at all. That's what most of us would have thought. I sent word to Jesus. Jesus normally comes when we send word to Him. He hadn't showed up yet. One day's passed, two days passed, he's not here yet, maybe he's not coming. I've already mentioned this, but you'll notice what they said when Jesus came. Verse 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Verse 32, Mary came where Jesus was, saw him, fell down at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And what amazes me about these statements, somehow they felt... Jesus was now helpless. In fact, this just struck me just now. They sent word to Jesus, the one you love is sick. They told Him about the problem, but now Jesus shows up. Lord, if you'd been here. Like Jesus can't do anything now. In fact, Jesus tells Martha when He gets there, Lord, if you'd been here, He wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, you He'll rise in the resurrection. And she says, oh, I know He'll rise in the resurrection in the, in the, in the last days. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. She, she just don't get it. It's, it's like they're full of faith one minute and then fear and doubt grips them the next. Isn't that like us so often? Full of faith. And then we're wavering. 
But just because he delayed didn't mean that he was denying them. They don't know why he waited. And often we don't know why he waits. But here's the thing, the reason he delayed was because he loved them. And it don't make sense to me and it doesn't make sense to you, but that's what the text said. If you go back and read it, that's what the text said. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That's verse 5 and 6. And here's the thing. By delaying, they'd see more of His glory. They'd know more of His power. And they would grow in their faith. His deliberate delay was out of love, although they didn't understand it. Listen, just because God may delay in answering doesn't mean that He's denying you an answer. God knows what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. He works in His time and in His own way. He's never late. He's never early. He's on time. Romans 8.28 is always true. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Listen, it will all work out in God's time and it will be for our good and for His glory. And here's the thing, we don't like to wait, but the Bible has a lot to say about waiting on God, doesn't it? And we struggle with it. Let me just let you in on something here this morning. Don't ever pray for patience unless you want God to put you in a waiting room. Because if you ever pray, God, make me patient, God's going to start testing your patience. He'll put you behind the slowest person in traffic. He'll, 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 you'll, you'll go to the doctor's office and you'll have to be the last one to get seen. He'll start testing you. And we struggle with patience. I, 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 I'm normally even kiltered, kind of calm, cool, and collected, but even I can only take so much. And when you start praying, praying God, make me patient, just watch out. We want things instantly. That, that, that's just the nature of the day we live in. We, listen, you want something to eat, you can just go to a microwave, push a few buttons, and voila, you can eat something. But here's the thing, if God answer, answered us instantly every time we prayed, we wouldn't recognize our need to depend on Him. If God answered immediately every time that we prayed, there'd be no need for faith. You see, God never delays because He is indifferent to our need or too busy or away on vacation. God delays because He knows what's best for us. So while we wait, we should never doubt His love. Amen? Even when we don't understand the reasons for His delay, we should never doubt His love. In fact, let me say this, He may even be delayed because He has something better. He may have something better. 
And we don't ever think of it that way. But he may have something better. In fact, think it, let me illustrate it this way. Healing Lazarus or raising Lazarus from the dead, what's the greater miracle? Bringing him back from the dead is the greater miracle, isn't it? Jesus had healed a lot of people, but he only raised a very few from the dead. You see, to heal Lazarus would have shown that Jesus had power over disease, but raising him from the dead shows that Jesus can raise people from death, and death can't even stop him. You see, Lazarus dead in the tomb for four days make it, makes it look like it's over, but when Jesus shows up, it's not over. And see, that encourages me and that blesses me because there may be some things in your life and in my life that look like it's dead and decaying, and it's over, but when Jesus steps in the room, it's not over. He said, you could be here and your marriage is dead, and it may look like you're on the way to divorce court, but Jesus steps in, and it comes back to life. Your finances might be dead and look like there's no hope for my financial situation, but Jesus steps in, and it lives. You might be here today and you're lost, you're dead, on your way to hell. But Jesus comes along and He's the resurrection and the life and you live. Amen? You're here today and you're sick in body, but Jesus comes by and He brings life and you live. That's who Jesus is. Delay doesn't mean it's over. And suffering doesn't mean it's over. We serve an awesome God. And whatever you're going through today, I don't want you to be discouraged by it. I don't want you to be depressed by it. I don't want you to give up because of it and think that somehow God's forsaken you. God knows exactly where you are. And God will be there. And God will see you through. And He loves you. In closing, I don't know what you're going through at this moment. But I know you can take it to God. I know that He loves you and I know that He'll always do what is best for you. You may be suffering this morning, going through the most difficult trial you've ever had to face. But God loves you. And I don't want those just to be words that we say. But I want you to know that God loves you. And I don't want you to mistake God's inactivity or silence as a lack of love. Here's what Paul said, Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved by God, and there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from His love, not even suffering. Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning all over this church.